and welcome to the Flow in Corporate Treasury podcast, Deutsche Bank Corporate Bank's new podcast, which delivers you insights straight from the source. In today's first episode, we will talk about the Corporate Treasury's role in M&A deals. However, we won't focus on the shiny, fancy transactions that often get a lot of attention by the media, but we will rather talk about what follows when the deal is closed. That is the cumbersome integration of the acquired company into the Corporate Treasury organization. What are the biggest challenges when it comes to post-merger integration and how can you tackle those issues? These are the questions we will look at. My name is Desiree Buchholz and my guest today is Alexander Foltin, Head of Treasury and Investor Relations at Infineon, one of the 10 largest semiconductor manufacturers worldwide. Alexander, first of all, thank you very much for joining us on this podcast. Two years ago, Infineon acquired Cyprus, and it was the largest takeover the company ever made with an enterprise value of 9 billion euros. Before we look at the treasury integration, could you please give our listeners a short wrap up of the deal? Why did you decide to buy Cyprus in the first place? Yes, very happy to do so. But um, let me first say uh, to you, Desiree, and also to all the listeners here that I feel quite honored and it's a great pleasure to be the first guest on your on your podcast here that's that's very great great to hear thank you you accurately described the cyprus acquisition as as a uh, transformative and obviously large scale one at least um, measured in absolute terms but also in relative terms it amounted to half of our own market capitalization at the day of signing The significance of it is that it is a scope-driven transaction. So basically, the company that we bought is, uh, was quite complementary in terms of products, technologies, geographic reach. And that has implication also on the integration because different from a scale-driven transaction, in these kinds of uh, formats, it's not so much about leveraging um, cost synergies necessarily, but to make sure that the combined total is is larger than and more more successful than the individual parts. In other words, that uh, one and one and one equal more than two. Um, the deal was was closed in April 2020, only a couple of weeks after the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemics, and markets were crashing while you hadn't finished the refinancing at the of the deal. So maybe looking back. Um, What was the most challenging task for you as a corporate treasurer and, and head of investor relations at that time? It's actually quite difficult to single out uh, individual tasks, but um, three topics come to my mind here. One was actually making, making the closing happen uh, once we got all the regulatory approvals the closing actually was done from home offices uh, as you correctly remember we went into uh, into lockdown just a couple of weeks earlier and of course that's a core treasury task and by the way we come back to that later on talking about integration um, it actually provides a good springboard so to say for the later integration because uh, the treasury organizations of acquirer and target are allowed as one of the few organizations to get in touch with each other and work closely together even before the deal is officially uh, officially closed, uh, which provided later on then quite helpful. But back to the actual closing. So we had to move 9 billion uh, euros or the dollar equivalent across the Atlantic. Um, that is easier said than done. There's under the surface more than meets the eye. We had to draw down funds from 
20 banks um, which were also affected by by the early COVID disruptions and then make sure it reaches the designated accounts timely and in uh, uh, and in good shape. That was one. The other the other one was that um, the outside world. So that reflects on my investor relations uh, responsibility. The outside world in that at that point in time was I would say divided into those that still liked us to close the deal and those that were pretty fearful of its uh, immediate consequences in terms of refinancing and and um, maybe would have rather liked us to, uh, I don't know, put off the deal or uh, do it at a later point um, in time. So it was necessary to explain to the investors over time and again uh, the benefits of the transaction and how much better the equity story for the combined com- com- company would get. And thirdly, the refinancing, you, may, you mentioned it, our uh, own share price um, was quite massively affected. Uh, we, as well as our index, the semiconductor, the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index, so-called SOX, uh, reached its low point middle of March 2020, and we still had some equity to do. Um, so that provided um, for quite some intense uh, project work, as you can imagine on the financing side. Uh, thankfully, uh, things, let's say, on the macroeconomic front for semiconductor cleared up relatively soon. And we were able to place shares at roughly double the share price, at double the low of the share price in uh, just f- uh, two months two month later. Yeah, I think that would be a totally separate discussion to talk about the financing challenges that you were facing at that time. But as I said in the beginning, um, we would like to focus on the um, the, the integration work. Um, so so let's look at this now. So um, if I remember, um, Infineon's treasury team is, is based in Munich and Cyprus used to steer its um, operations from San Jose in California. How does the um, organizational treasury setup look like today? Are there still treasury managers in California or did you centralize everything in Munich? Um, I mean, we do follow a pretty centralized uh, treasury structure and also philosophy. um, And that is playing out today. But of course, also in the in the former Infineon, we do have regional treasury um, operations that that uh, cater to tasks more in their regional markets, such as um, cash management, local currency, some local currency hedging, uh, and other things. So yes, we still do have treasury operations in California. And as it happens, um, in a kind of reverse takeover, they are run by someone uh, who who used to work for who used to work for Cyprus. So also the let's say the the integration on the pers- uh, personnel side um, is actively happening, basically as we as we speak. Let's maybe look at the uh, chronology. So when did you begin to to integrate um, Cyprus into your treasury operations? As you mentioned, you were able to meet um, before the deal was closed. Um, Which processes did you start with and and why did you you opt for those? Um, We really set some clear day one priorities um, following also a script uh, of a successful integration we had done a couple of years earlier with another uh, US company, not of the same size, but uh, in the the same uh, region. 
The first thing that we wanted to make sure is control over funds. Um, very clearly, a, a merger, a, an acquisition of that size is a disruptive moment. And um, you want to make sure two things, uh, one should happen, the other should not happen. The one thing that should happen is that the, the targets operations keep afloat, so to say. You want to ensure ongoing business continuity uh, by making sure that there are enough bank account signers, that funds keep flowing, that entities are uh, funded and that bills are paid, basically. What you don't want, of course, to happen is that um, some funds get lost uh, through whatever illegitimate way. So you may want to make sure that you have the right bank account signers in the right uh, places that things like Four Eyes Principle, et cetera, are being adhered to on a worldwide uh, scale. Therefore, you know, we looked at these core processes of um, bank account transparency, who are the signers, uh, where is the cash of the target actually located? In other words, which entity owns it and in which bank accounts is it, um, is it sitting? We also looked at um, operations like uh, accounts receivable, collections, making sure that those were still happening. Um, another topic is insurance. We wanted to make sure that there is uninterrupted uh, insurance coverage for all things like business, uh, business interruption, property, but crucially also directors and officers lia uh, liability that in our case, sits within um, the treasury function. Basically, you could say a day two priority was to look at treasury governance and to establish a framework. Um, as mentioned, we are following a very centralized structure here. We have a globally applicable worldwide treasury policy um, that looks for consistence throughout the different region. And here it came in very handy that we were able to understand Cyprus's treasury organization and function before even closing. So uh, while we were not doing any active integration work, of course, we could at least to some uh, degree uh, exchange on things like, like uh, treasury philosophies and structures. How do we fund subsidiaries? How is FX hedging done? How are cash uh, streams being centralized? So that's basically what we, what we tackled next. You mentioned the uh, cash management, and this is usually a task that is quite challenging for companies in the context of, of treasury organization, because they have to deal with proprietary cash management systems that are impeding harmonized and efficient workflows, and that make it hard to get an overall cash visibility. What was the situation that you found at, at Cyprus with respect to cash management? Um, both companies actually in that respect were pretty similar. By, uh, and by that, I mean that both had a quite centralized um, approach, arguably Cyprus even more even more so than, than Infineon. For instance, Cyprus had a de facto payment factory out of, uh, out of California. And so cash visibility, um, I, let's say I have seen Uh, I have seen much worse situation. Um, so, so uh, clearly the visibility was uh, was very high, and not only the visibility, but there was um, also a reasonably sized banking network where um, quite a small number of institutions housed the bulk uh, the bulk of the uh, the cash. Also, Cyprus continued to have its own external 
debt and uh, obligations. So we, we, let's say, made sure we establish a kind of financial lifeline, so to speak, between the two parent companies so that we can, on, could, on the one hand, ensure that cash goes, goes down to secure the operation, to pay back uh, due debt, but on the other hand, also that we repatriate and control cash as quickly and as much as possible, uh, which we have which we have done. Um, the flip side of that is that um, uh, the the uh, banking infrastructure or the let's say the the accounts up until today have not yet been fully harmonized. Um, so while we are uh, while we have great visibility and good centralization of cash, we have. Uh, not um, let's say centralized totally the the account management and gotten everything into a final set of core banks. Not least because the IT difference, the IT infrastructure in the background is different between the two companies. I think um, earlier you said that, um, or at a different occasion, you said that Cyprus was using or is using Oracle while um, Infineon is using um, SAP. So um, to, to what extent has this affected your, your integration work? Um, absolutely correct. Um, we are on two different IT backbones or two different um, ERP system. And for additional fun and to make matters more complicated, Infineon prior to the uh, Cyprus acquisition had already embarked, um, I think, as many peers of us as well, uh, on a um, on a global SAP modernization project, uh, introducing globally S4 HANA, and uh, that kind of like still determines the the speed with which we are physically integrating on the IT side. We have decided to to first of all. Um, come to a reasonably steady, steady state and stability in our own uh, legacy Infineon SAP world, so to speak, before touching the uh, uh, touching the running and functioning uh, Oracle system of former Cyprus. Uh, so. Um, I hate to admit it in times of digitalization, but yes, uh, we also resort to Excel here and there to make sure that we get that we get full transparency and information. So we are not yet, um, let's say, seamlessly integrated from an from an IT backbone point of view. Nevertheless, um, clearly we we have one global unified treasury organization, and and we have. Uh, absolute visibility about cash. So to what extent um, is your corporate treasury organization then now integrated? If you look at a scale from one, which would be not integrated to 10, which would be fully integrated? I would say everything everything is above five, um, but we clearly have a differentiation there. Um, we have from an organization point of view, we are we are integrated. Um, there is one unified America's treasury team. And I think that's probably the point of departure. The team is integrated. We have grown, uh, we have grown together. Uh, if we, if I look at, um, if I look at cash management, um, uh, I described this, this, this lifeline between the parent company. Apart from that, uh, there are still some separate structures there. So this is probably in the five to six uh, re, um, region. Mm, currency hedging, uh, somewhere in the middle. 
we nicely found that actually from a business point of view, Cyprus had some offsetting currency flows, like for instance, they were Japanese yen long while we are typically Japanese yen short. So that could, uh, that got harmonized, so to speak, and we have a, have a common view uh, around, around that. Uh, funding of subsidiaries, um, also more still in the lower part of it, because here we have also seen that we follow slightly different um, philosophies so we will harmonize that once we have the um, we have also the legal entity landscape a little bit more cleaned up as you would imagine there's a certain overlap in different countries and clearly we want to change bank accounts for an entity that we know uh, will be merged or even liquidated a couple of months further down the road um, on the insurance side, it's rather eight to nine. Uh, we have common cover and global uh, global cover. Uh, things like the liquidity planning and forecasting, again, somewhere in the middle, seven-ish, um, if you ask for my for my <laughs> gut feel assessment. And I think that pretty much covers it. So it's, it's in the upper half, uh, but still some wood to chop. Mm -hmm. so, sounds good. So maybe looking looking back, um, you mentioned the, the working from home um, environment. How did that affect the integration project? I would imagine it to be much easier if you could have traveled to the US, talked to Cyprus co colleagues and actually look at their workflows. Was that possible at all? Only um, only prior actually to the to the closing. And that's probably what, what made it relatively easy easy still we have a no touch low touch integration and we still work we still work via online media uh, however mm, i had the occasion to actually meet the people before before so in the period between signing and closing and that obviously helps a lot i mean ultimately this is a this is still a people driven uh, this is still a people driven task and business world and having had the occasion to uh, yeah to meet and um <laughs> i remember we had uh we had some mexican food and nice beers together in in uh, san jose uh, while we were still two separate companies and that helped enormously then in the phase ever since to uh, to use to use online conferences to align on tasks and to harmonize roadmaps to um yeah to integrate people into um into some some workshops and uh, all of that so it didn't really was it, it it wasn't really a hindrance to be left to digital means only however um i i would ascribe a, a great portion of that to the fact that we were able to establish personal contact first um, and establish some some kind of con, um, confidence between each other. I, I would imagine, yeah. So maybe wrapping up, um, are there any recommendations um, that you would like to share with the audience, and in particular with treasurers who are in a similar situation um, of having to deal with um, corporate treasury integration? I mean, treasury, as we all know, is um, ultimately built on trust and establishing this trust on a on a personal level um that that's kind of like invaluable to, so to the extent you can um let treasury leadership teams meet for meet meet soon meet early on a on a personal on a personal basis um, 
Secondly, uh, prioritization matters a lot. Uh, you cannot do all on day one. You cannot do all within week or month one. So make sure you have the right set of priorities in place. I mentioned the ones that that we felt um, should be should be high on that list. Number three is um, don't underestimate the value of of uh, governance of even philosophy in terms of uh, treasury. I mean. Yes, this is a set of rules, um, but this is something that people can can cling to. It's uh, it's kind of like guiding principles, transparency. That's something that is that is helping a lot. And maybe as a fourth recommendation, um, in between, to the extent you can, try also try always also to have some fun. Thank you. Um, many thanks for for your insight and for being our first guest uh, guest on the new Flow in Corporate Treasury podcast. Alexander, sounds like you um, have had an exciting journey over the last two years, and um, I wish you all the best for for the remaining challenges, especially for for the IT project. Thanks a lot for having me, Desiree, and um, all the best likewise to you. Thank you. And for, for our listeners, if you're interested in more case studies around corporate treasury, listen to the next episode of our Flow in Corporate Treasury podcast and subscribe for our weekly Flow News Bites, which deliver you latest updates from Deutsche Bank Corporate Bank. Stay tuned. Bye bye.